Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Praise the Lord, everyone. Let's pray one more time and let's ask God to touch us, touch our mind. Um, let's do something. Let's just forget about tomorrow and Bible says tomorrow is going to take care of tomorrow. The challenge I have is wait until tomorrow to worry about tomorrow. Maybe I shouldn't have said that, but I, that's me. So let's pray and ask God to touch us. Father, we love you today. We love and we thank you. Father, we thank you most of all for this house. We thank you for what it means, for what it represents to us, Lord God. It is you, Lord God. This is where we all assemble, Lord God, to feel your presence once again. Father, I know that your spirit is everywhere, but collectively we have come to worship and to thank you, Lord God. Thank you for your goodness, your kindness, your mercy, God, that you bestow upon us. Have your way. Touch our minds, our hearts, Lord God. As we look at this word, Lord God, strengthen us, God, for I know you're gonna open a way I know you're going to minister to each and every one of us, Lord God, through this word, this everlasting word. Touch us, Lord God. I pray, minister to us, God, and I thank you for what you're going to do, Lord God, in advance. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. And while you're standing, let's read the verse that goes. It's in Galatians 3, 11. And you can just follow along or look in the Bible. Galatians 3, 11. It says that no man is justified in the law, or excuse me, by the law in the sight of God. It is evident for the just shall live by faith. You may be seated. Thank you. Now, if there's one topic that I believe that we need to know really and truly we talk about Acts 2.38 a lot, but I think the law of liberty is one that we need to know because as true apostolic believers, we can get the mindset is that when well, they've come into church, just take a new convert. I'm just going to be myself. Take a new convert. Where they're not shaping up exactly how they ought to be. But Jesus Christ said that he was the fulfillment of the law. So you took someone, we just read the scripture. If you're trying to live according to the law, the Bible says that was the first testament. There's no way you could do it. The reason that God came was to fulfill that law. Now we are living in what Calvary did. We are living in the liberty of, of the Lord. So therefore, when we give ourselves, God gives us his spirit that we may live in the spirit of holiness, that we may accomplish 
what could not be accomplished by the law. There's no way if we was in the Old Testament that we could accomplish everything that the law required. Man just could not do it. We're, we're just flawed. We couldn't do it. But there's one, there's um, two verses that I want to read that I just, before I get started, I just want to read these. And I think if there's ever one verse that's sort of taken out of context is this verse here, and I'll read it, but I'll read the next one after it. It's John 12, 47. Now, we're speaking about liberty. So here it is, John 12, 47. This is Jesus. He said, if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. I work with a lot of people. I've been told, literally. Well, even Jesus didn't come to judge. Why you tell me you do this? You're judging and even Jesus didn't judge. Okay, I'm telling you face to face, I fully agree with verse 47. Jesus is telling them, I didn't come to judge you. But what they don't do is read verse 48. Now let's read 48. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. Now I'm going to stop there. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judges him. You're going to be judged. Now I'll read the rest of that verse. And the word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Okay. 47 says, I came to be your savior. I'm not your judge right now. I came to give you the law and I'm making a way for you to be righteous. It's not in the Old Testament. It's through the blood of Calvary that I have put. Today, I'm not your judge. But if you reject me, the next time we lock eyes at the last day, I'm gonna be your judge. And every word that has, I have spoken unto you, meaning right here that I'm holding, that's what I'm going to judge you with. You're going to be judged. You can say Jesus don't judge, but the Almighty is going to judge. So that's why I say in studying this about liberty, we got to know what to ask people or tell people when they say, well, why do you go to Holden's Church? Why do you do this? You say you are believing in liberty we do believe in liberty. It's like ministers has told us all our life. I do that because I don't have to do that. My flesh don't require me to do that. But only because of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God. Because I'm inherently flawed. There is a fault in me and that fault is sin. And the only way I can overcome it is through the blood of Calvary and the Spirit of God. So he takes, and we look, we read this. The Bible says no one, no one, if you go back, no one will be justified by the law. You can't, you, you can't do it. You just can't do it. You can't take a new convert and comes, and you can't look at the Old Testament law, and you, you, you can't do it like this. An individual comes up, they don't know nothing about the church, and they come up, they, they repent, they're baptized, they receive the Holy Ghost, and now you do like this. Okay. 
Here's a list of the rules that you've got to follow. <laughs> no, you don't do that. It's not my job to do that. What God has given us is his Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit will lead and guide us into what? All truth. All truth. Not when I close my eyes and my heart and think and wonder what I'm supposed to do about this. You know, I feel a little funny in doing this. God is saying through the Holy Ghost, you know you really shouldn't be doing this. And when I come to church, I feel a yearning in my spirit to join into this, to partake of this. That is the Holy Ghost. And God, just like God told us, you know, we can't do this. Now, the law could not or cannot undo what is done. That's why it, we look to it and we understand it as the day of atonement. That's why everything that was done in the Old Testament went up to a day and basically it just piled on the sins. You just had one day and that's why it was so strict. Nothing could be done. It didn't undo what was done. It just, for that one day, it just said, okay, by grace, by grace, it's, it's, I'm going to let you go. But it couldn't undo what was done. Grace couldn't do it. Now, but what the law could do, it could reveal sin, but it couldn't undo its penalty. So it couldn't do that. Now, it does not save us from it. It's penalty, but really and truly, we have to look at salvation from God's point of view. And God's point of view is that's why he came. And we've read where the just shall live by faith. Now, I take that and just, I, I, I rely on the two words. The just shall live. Shall live. That's why I said you get the Holy Ghost. And if you thrive in the Holy Ghost, and what I mean by that, if you make yourself available to the Spirit of God, the just shall live. It's not that I'm going on, I'm letting the world affect me. If I got something that's affecting me greater than the Spirit of God, cut that thing off. Cut it with the media things. Allow God to affect you. The just shall live by faith. That's what the Bible says, and that's the way that God said it had to be. Now, the just are those only who stand legally right in God's eyes. And to do that, you must follow the biblical principle that's been laid out in the word of God. We have to do that. Now, faith is a condition for justification. Keeping the law is just an attempt of, of gaining God's approval by good works. And good works in the sight of God won't get you nowhere according to this scripture. There's no way I can do it in my flesh is what I'm saying to gain God's approval. It's by faith. By faith. It's got to be done. I want to go back and read in the book of Deuteronomy. There's um, just some verses that I want to read. It's verse in the, in the 27th chapter. And I want to read verse 26. And what this is, it's basically a tale of two mountains, Mount Gizem and Ebal. 
Um, and I'm just going to read the last verse in this. If, when you go through this, chapter 27, there's 12 curses that is pronounced. This is the last, this is the last curse, and I'll read it. Cursed he be that conformeth not to all these words of the law to do them. And all the people shall say, Amen. Now, it wraps up that you are cursed if you didn't cover all and confirm all the words of this law. Who could do that? Who could do that? But all, all wasn't lost. Because if you go back earlier in this chapter and read... Hope wasn't lost. But I'm telling you, it looked like it was. Because these curses go through. It goes for the, 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 the tribes of Israel, and it goes through. And then the very last one, as we say, the icing on the cake that covers it all, says you are cursed if you don't conform to every single one. And you're thinking, my Lord, what's the use to try? For the law even says if you break one, you're guilty of all. So the Lord says in the beginning of this chapter that you make an altar. Now, Mount, uh, basically these two mountains I've read is located basically in the center of the promised land. And you had Mount Grizim, which or Grizim is basically a mountain that is plush, green. Everybody would want to go there. Everybody want, would want to be there. It is a, just a beautiful mountain, we would say. And then you got Ebal. It's just a stony, rock-faced, barren mountain. God said, you go to that mountain, and that's where I want you to build an altar. And you take and you do that, and then he says, you do that, and where you take and do this at, because that's where... I want you to do that because I want you to have that altar on this bare mountain because we need the atoning and the anointing sacrifice right at the place where our sin and failures are revealed. So God was merciful to them right there at the place of where it was happened. And we know that in the New Testament, it was the blood of Calvary that is pronounced on our sin. Now, in the lesson it talks about Abraham, literally when God told him something that we can't imagine that God told him to do. It talks about the false gods and where Abraham hears the Lord say, take your son, your only son, and go offer him on a mountain that I will tell you of. I've joked, but literally hoping I made a point to you where God told Abraham, go out there and take the GPS off the camel. That's when he started out. But now God tells him, take your son, your only son, and go offer him for a burnt sacrifice. A burnt sacrifice, meaning when you read about that in the Old Testament, the fire fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. There would be nothing left. If everything went as planned, I will consume your son. And so, I mean, if I was Abraham, 
I don't know. I don't know what I would think, literally. But that's why Abraham is called the father of the faithful because he takes Isaac, who a lot of people believe is what we would say a young adult, and he goes with him. And then through, through the way, you know, like children do, he's trying to make conversation with his father, and he notices everything is there but one thing. So he says, where's the sacrifice at? And little does he know, the one asking the question is the sacrifice. So when then here Abraham speaks, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So we see that this happened. And literally, we know the story is, is Abraham goes through, he holds the knife up, and the angel has to tell him, look, that's far enough. Now I know, now I know that thou fearest God. You won't withhold thy son, thine only son. So he takes and he does this. Now, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And the Bible says that he was called literally a friend of God. Um, I want you to turn with me to uh, Matthew. I want to read uh, Matthew in 5, um, 17. This is what the Lord said. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Now we understand that. Jesus saying, I'm the fulfillment of the law. So now, but this jot or jolt or ever how you would pronounce it, was the smallest letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And the tittle was the tiny separation stroke between the Hebrew letters. Meaning, when it said it makes a significant uh, approach to the alphabet, saying everything in this word is important. And there is nothing in here that won't be fulfilled because I am making sure when I have come and Calvary is done and Calvary's finished that everything will be fulfilled as it is written. So everything is going to be done. Everything. Now, Paul reminded us that they, they receive the Spirit not by works but by hearing of the faith. Hearing the faith, he admonished that the Gentiles had been swayed toward the old Mosaic law by Jewish Christians. And some individuals had sought to impose the Mosaic uh, onto the Gentile Christians. But Paul, Paul had been highly educated in the Mosaic law. He understood how the gospel of grace had eliminated the need for the strict adherence to the law. And then... In the, church, in the church world today, we practice holiness, distinguished by keeping certain standards, is frequently labeled as works or legalism and not a faith. Just like the church of Galatians, some in the church today would forcefully and, and quickly impose rules upon new believers, but we understand the legalistic action is in error to the word of God because of grace. Any requirement, for salvation imposed as an addition to the new birth experience is contrary to the word of God. 
Church wholeness standards are established by the word of God. And I believe that. Standards of dress and behavior help us to be accountable for our actions outside the church and also separate us from the immoral practices of worldly living. Our outward appearance of holiness standards should be a reflection of our inward faith in Jesus Christ. And that would be accomplished by the Holy Ghost, by His Spirit. Paul questions the Galatians that, uh, about their efforts to achieve perfection by human works. That can't be done. That just can't be done. I don't believe it without God's Spirit. That can't be done. We're just flawed, striving per, uh, striving per perfection is, ex, is, uh, is an exercise in uh, futility. Uh, Paul said, and Paul understood the pointless of working to achieve spiritual maturity by human strength. Although I can't do this on my own. I am foolish to think I can do this on my own because I literally can't. I can't do it on my own. If humanity, if we could achieve perfection, then in truth, there would be no need for Calvary. Why would Calvary, why would the Lord have come if we could obtain perfection on our own? There would be no need for Calvary. Since we look at the, the magnitude of Calvary and just what it encompassed, then we should obviously see the need and the importance for us to stay connected and stay to the obedience of the Spirit because what God had done for us. The writer of Hebrews admonished us to go on to perfection. Jesus called us to be perfect, but a pursuit of perfection apart from grace and the endowment of the Spirit is doomed for failure. Christians often seek to live perfectly according to the standards of holiness found in the Bible and those established by the church according to scriptural principles. The key is consistency, a consistent time of prayer, study, and worship. Our faith needs to be nurtured and growing in order to grow stronger. Our experiences with the filling of the Holy Ghost is just the jump. It's just the start. We do so in part to strengthen our faith, and we do. And Paul, his message of receiving the Spirit, not by works of the law, but by the hearing of faith. His sense of urgency over the issue of work seemed to have stemmed from a long-standing tradition held by the Jews. So the promise of God made to Abraham occurred 430 years before the law was even given to the children of Israel. With that fact in mind, we must understand how relevant the matter of Abraham's faith is to the new covenant. Now, one thing I just want to say if we was in the situation, and think about this with me, if we was in the situation of Abraham, and well, one thing of Abraham's testimony showed how devoted Abraham was to God, and that his son didn't apparently argue with him, he just submitted to his will to his father. But just say, God had come and asked us to do something of the magnitude that he asked of Abraham. What would you do? I know what most of us would do. We'd start thumbing through the pages 
Surely there's got to be a reference in here somewhere. Okay. But Abraham didn't have no reference. It's to my knowledge, no one in the scripture up to this point has ever been raised from the dead. Yes, it's, but it's quoted in the Bible that it says of Abraham that he could raise him even from the dead. But Abraham didn't have that to go on. That's why he's called father of the faithful. That's why I, I said that God wants us to literally take him at his word. The just shall live by faith. Literally, that's all God's asking for. Take him at his word. So Abraham didn't say, you know what? Let me give you book, chapter, and verse. He didn't have one. I know that's what I would do. And the next thing I would say is, Brother Boyd, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> Go ask somebody somewhere if this has ever happened. But here's Abraham. God asked him to do this. I can't imagine what it was like. The weight that must have been on him. And he tells him, me and the, me and the lads going yonder to worship. We're going to come again. I just can't believe that. The faith, the ability to believe God when everything else pointed, can I say, to death? You know, I don't know. That's just me. But James 2 offers great insight into the connection between faith and works. Our faith has no substance if no actions demonstrate our faith. The old saying that we grew up with, actions speak louder than words. The Bible says this in James 2, 21 through 24. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? See us how faith wrought with his works um, and by works was faith made perfect, and the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. See ye then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Okay. I guess a negative example with this, if you're riding with somebody... And every time they see a cop, I don't speed. I don't speed. Well, should you take them at, you know, should you take them at their word? I don't know. But what they said of Abraham, he didn't just talk this. It was seen as in, in his actions. He didn't just say, I'm a Christian, you know. It's like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ because I'm doing everything that's in me to follow the one that's leading me. So that's what James was saying. And it wasn't just his faith, he believed. Paul declared, the just shall live by faith. Faith is perplexing to the human mind and it often can go against our need for physical evidence, yet there's, the scripture admonishes, admonishes us to live by faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And that literally means, I've often said, 
some things we need answers to. And if it was told you, you could have it, just write it out. Possibly, you couldn't even write it out. That's why the Bible speaks of times of just groaning and utterings that when it's all said and done, God who knows the mind, you know, God, I can't put this into words, but you know the thoughts and the heart and the intent of the will of my mind. And God, you're able to move. You're able to do this. And that's why I believe that, that sometimes I believe you just, if someone asked you that didn't know, didn't know what a Christian was or what you're doing or why you're doing it, and they say, why are you doing it? Well, <laughs> have you got a few hours? You know, because sometimes... It's the evidence of things not seen, you know. It's, you know, and sometimes it might not be that hard. But Jesus stated, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Having proclaimed they knew the way, you got Muhammad, Buddha, the Dalai Lama, and others declared they had found the way. But Jesus won the one that boldly stated, I am the way, when he said that. This declaration who Jesus was was God manifested in the flesh. In Exodus, Moses asked him, what am I going to say? He just said, you tell him I am that I am. That's who has sent me. And then numerous theologians has claimed Jesus was merely stating that he knew the way. However, Jesus was more than a prophet or teacher. He was literally God manifested in the flesh. And we must heed the warning Paul sounded and not stray from the true gospel. We find many variations, especially living in the world we got where you can have a device and be reading on it and, you know, it, it, it's amazing. You just click up and then it comes up like 600,000 in .3 seconds or something, you know, and that's why I'm saying, you know, you got to be really, really careful, you know, and I've said that a lot. But when it comes to the one true message, it's not hard. Just believe what God said and, you know, let God be true. Let God be true. Now, humanity still, I can just say it like this, ever since the garden, you got the enemy trying to water down what God said. Humanity fell for it. And it's been going on ever since. You know, the Lord really didn't say that. He didn't really mean this, you know. And humanity has sought to water it down just a little bit, a little bit there, a little bit here. You know, it really doesn't matter this or really doesn't matter that. What matters is the word of God. And that's what we will be judged by. So if, if you was told you're going to court and this is going to be the rules that you are judged by, we wouldn't study nothing else. We would study what we're going to be judged by. We wouldn't want no watered-down version. We would want what we're going to be judged by. Paul directed Timothy to remain in Ephesus and shepherd believers away away from false teachers. The call to be a, a pastor is considered a high and holy calling 
This is due to the incredible responsibility placed upon a pastor in caring for the souls that God has brought into the pastor's congregations. The pastor must stay current in terms of alternative gospels that the world is offering in order to help preserve and hold believers accountable to the one true gospel. Just like the human body, the body of Christ is composed of different parts and all parts must work together. We have been created with different abilities and talents. Even our person personalities differ in numerous ways. This, this mixture allows the church, the body of Christ, to function just like a healthy body. The human body has many visible components, arms, legs, eyes, and mouth, but many internal parts that you don't see that's actually, I would say, is just as important as a part that you would see. So how, how would you say, just because you can see an arm or a leg, so to speak, how is it more important than a heart or another part of a body? It's not. It's not. And just like it's been done so many times to a physical body, to the church body, you can't say... It, and I, I got the mic, so I'll try to watch my words. But I would say the, the one person, and that is, would be the pastor. And that's because even Revelation says it, the pastors are called angels. They are held in the palm. So, but beyond that, beyond the pastor, we must be very careful on who we try to place in order. Because all the parts of the body are important. And then if there's want to be placement or want to be recognition, let it be made by him, not by me. Because everybody is important, no matter if they're seen or not seen. Everyone, when it comes to the Lord, is important. Everyone, every function. Every function, I, you know, I just, as I've said before, just to do this <laughs> takes a lot of work that I didn't see and you didn't see. But God allows it to be accomplished. And we see the Lord move in a different way, just like what was it, um, I don't know, three or four Wednesdays ago when we come in here to have church and the Lord moved. It was happening, but we didn't see directly what caused it. We seen the effect of it, but it wasn't like, I caused that. It was the church body that caused that. And it was not like, it wasn't, it wasn't nobody standing up trying to take credit for it. It was the body as a unit. The body as a unit functioning. And that's the way the church is designed to work. So in this, in this time, you know, that we live, um, I will end with this. Now, a lot of the things that I use... I just, I just try to use stuff that that everybody, I guess, 
can relate to, so to speak. So I have another one. I've been looking for another device, a media device, um, really to help me in my studies. So um, I won't call the name, but I'll just say what I was looking for, I'll just say it was the second generation. And I had looked for a long time and because uh, it was rather expensive. And I had looked and looked and looked. And so I finally got to the point. <laughs> Y'all straighten it up. I finally got to the point where uh, I said, okay, let's do it. So Sister Rayleigh and Braxton goes to the place where we're buying it. And the salesman was like, y'all are not going to believe this. You should just, you know, I don't know if they shared in his excitement, but uh, that this particular day was a Saturday and just yesterday, Friday, the third generation of that come in. And I'm like, okay. You know, she's telling me on the phone after she got it, you just got the third generation. Well, all I wanted was the second generation, but I got the third generation. So my point is, you know, paid it, same price, got home. And so, you know, if you're at where I'm at, working stuff like this, <laughs> like I don't even know how to cut it on. So, <laughs> so, so uh, I downloaded the, and, and, and I'm, not, I'm not joking about this. They have, um, a, it gives a name, but I don't want to use the name. It has a senior um, usage. It really does, but I won't give the name, but they give the name with it. So, and that applied to me, so I downloaded it. And, but what really got me is here's the guy just, it's his job. He's just falling all over. Y'all not going to believe this. It's the third generation, you know. So excited and everything. And, and, of course, you know, we understand that. That's his job. But I plugged it in. And what led all the air out of my balloon? It said software update. <laughs> I said, welcome to the human race. I said, you got to be kidding. This literally just got to the store. And it's one day old and I get it home. And the software needs an update. So I said, man, this is hard to take. So I'm glad that what I hold here never needs an update. It is always current. Every time I go to it, the Lord knows what's wrong with me. I don't have to work or live by 613 commandments. He's given me his spirit 
as long as I can stay subject to it, stay subject to him, all he really wants is for me to just literally is to take him at his word. That's all he wants. That's all he wants. And I thank him for it. I really do. I thank him for it. Let's stand. Hallelujah. Let's pray one more time. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word most of all. We love you, holy God. I thank you, God, that it is the truth. It is the truth that you came, Lord, with. I thank you for your holy, precious word. Touch us this day. Anoint us, Lord God. Strengthen us, Lord. Touch us, Lord God. Seal this in us, Lord God, I pray. We love you and we thank you, Lord God, for what you've done. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for what you accomplished, Lord God. We ask you to touch us this day in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.